Good morning. Welcome to Grace. I'm Pastor Ryan. The calling to Christ's church is to make disciples. And our challenge in accepting this calling is found in being equipped to recognize the many opportunities presented to us each day to shine as Christ's hands and his feet, not in the exotic lands of foreign missions only, but in the everyday and the regular routines of life. This morning we will hear from one of our missionaries, Aaron Turner, as he reminds us of the importance of intentionality in disciple-making. Thanks for listening. The goal behind this series is one, again, of awareness and encouragement. It's too easy for the church without direct intentionality to simply become consumed with what's going on right here. But God has a plan outside of here. Think back to before you knew him. Before you knew forgiveness in Jesus Christ, before you knew the peace that comes from God sending his son to shed his own blood on your behalf. Before that, do you know something? God wanted you. You hear that? God wanted you. And even today, there are still those who are not among us, either locally here or in the church at large. But you know something? God wants them too. God's plan of redemption through this world is not one where he miraculously sends angels or just changes human hearts without the struggle that goes on through this life. But instead, God has chosen to use us, to use his children as his instruments in this world. The words from Jesus just before he ascends to the Father, and they're ones that um, Aaron is going to share with us this morning as well. He says to his disciples, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations by baptizing them and teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. Uh, There's a command that is in English, but not in the Greek, which is the word go. Go actually in Greek is a participle. And generally, when we translate participles, we do so as a gerund. Now, this sounds like English class all of a sudden. I I see you yawning, right? Because it's getting boring. Uh, Gerunds end with an ing. And so it would be accurate to translate that first participle as going, make, disciples. This is God's heart for each and every one of you. Where are you going? Because he has you going somewhere. And the command that he gives to his children, not just the command, but to go make disciples, he has also equipped you with his spirit to do that task. The problem, and the reason why we're in this series, is that when we're not prepared for a task, we tend to fail at it. We tend to fall short. We tend to miss the opportunities. Um, You could see this very clearly in my golf game. I do not practice enough to be proficient at golf. But maybe you can identify in your own life, whatever it is that you practice, the more that you do it, the better you get at it. And church, you got to hear me this morning. We got to get better at this. We got to get better at it. So the two scopes of what we're working towards as we continue through this month and into next is a level of equipping for each of you. It's not going to be sufficient for you to come and listen to sermons and leave. You're going to be left with challenges. You're going to be left with opportunities to grow. If you've been reading this book, I hope that you've been seeing the challenges that come. Trying to become a person that will develop habits of your life of being missional, not American. There's a difference there. Right? Because we live in a, a country and a world that's really fixated upon your comfort and ease and don't let me lift too many fingers to get the job done. 
God may ask you to lift a couple fingers. Are you going to do it? God may ask you to go. Are you going to do it? Right? We need to be equipped. And then secondly, we need to be made aware of the work that God is doing across our world. And so in effort to achieve those this morning, I've asked our missionaries, Aaron and Rachel, uh, to come and to uh, just share both what, they're, what God has been doing through their ministry and the message that has been laid on Aaron's heart for our church this morning. Um, Aaron and Rachel um, came and got to know one another in kind of central Wisconsin, uh, working in a school system in a diversity of different roles. And then listening to God's calling in their life, uh, they moved to the Caribbean, which is where I met them. And uh, they served there, again, in a diversity of roles. And then God once again called and moved them back to Michigan, where they now serve in Grand Rapids. I'd like to ask if you will please welcome with me Aaron Turner as he shares. Good morning. It's good to be here you again in Segola on a bluegrass Sunday. Uh, I don't get many chances to play the mandolin, uh, so when Ryan asked me if I would play the mandolin, I was more than happy, and we're having a lot of fun here. Uh, I'm talking about life on mission today, making disciples. Uh, many of you are familiar uh, with what Rachel and I do, but for those that do not, I'll give you a brief overview before I get into the message. Uh, we work through a mission agency called Global Outreach Mission. Uh, as church planters uh, here in Michigan, but down in the Lower Peninsula. Uh, more specifically, we focus on planting churches in the Grand Rapids area. So we got a nice aerial, aerial shot of Grand Rapids there. Uh, the church that we are part of is called Crosswinds Church. But the unique thing about Crosswinds is that it functions as more than a local church body. It also serves as a church planting organization. Crosswinds exists to start and grow intentionally local, indigenous, reproducing urban churches in the under-resourced neighborhoods of Grand Rapids. Our vision at Crosswinds is to establish a family of neighborhood congregations scattered throughout the neighborhoods of, of Grand Rapids. Just as the city is made up of many different neighborhoods, so Crosswinds envisions being one church made up of many neighborhood congregations throughout the city. Uh, this is a map, uh, as I was preparing and planning, I was trying to find a map of all the different neighborhoods of Grand Rapids. Uh, this, is, this is one that someone just made, I found online, uh, where, they've where they've labeled the neighborhoods of Grand Rapids with how they're perceived or viewed by other people. Uh, I'll get into this a little more later, but I'll tell you right now that everyone seems to agree that there are certain areas of the city that are under-resourced, neglected, and where people aren't focused on planting churches. The mere fact that there is an area called Jesus Saves, way out on the edge there, is kind of embarrassing. Uh, but that's where the most regional mega churches are. Um, and I believe that they probably don't have much of an interest in reaching the areas uh, like trailer parks or shady suburbs. Uh, and I'm pretty sure they're not talking about like nice big trees. I think they're talking, you know, shady. Uh, <laughs> Our three Crosswinds locations are in the neighborhoods labeled uh, Crime, Old Suburbs, and Charmingly Shady. Um, so there we have Godwin Heights, Godfrey Lee, and the West Side of Grand Rapids. Uh, so I think we're definitely situated in the places that are neglected and underappreciated. Uh, the city of Grand Rapids has the sixth fastest growing economy in the United States. Um, it is unusually ahead of many older and larger cities in growth rate. This translates to an ever-changing and evolving city that doesn't bear much resemblance 
to the uh, primarily uh, Dutch Christian Reformed environment of the late 20th century. Uh, we now see um, high numbers of uh, predominantly Hispanic immigrant neighborhoods right next to historical African-American communities, right next to young gentrifying professional neighborhoods, surrounded all around by uh, middle-class, blue-collar areas of the city. Uh, the alarming thing that we've noticed since partnering with Crosswinds is the absence of community-focused churches that want to pour into their neighborhoods and reach those that live around them for Christ. There are many regional churches in Grand Rapids that people drive out to every Sunday to grow in their faith and fellowship with other believers. However, I am not convinced it's... What I'm not convinced is happening is these brothers and sisters being Christ's hands and feet in the neighborhoods that they actually live. So much of our culture in the city today is okay with people being closed off in their own homes, uh, conducting their social life uh, on the internet, uh, not getting to know their neighbors. Uh, we're trying to break that mold and be active in our neighborhoods, getting to know the people that live around us, being passionate about our kids' schools and the families there, and sharing Christ where we are. Uh, this is one of the reasons that uh, Rachel and I love vis visiting you guys here in the UP. Um, although the, the, the neighborhoods are set up much differently, I mean, we're in Grand Rapids in a, in a dense populated area. Uh, here you guys are, are spread out and the houses may seem isolated, but there's definitely a great sense of community um, that we can always see here. I can see that Grace Church is striving to be a witness in this little part of Michigan. Uh, I was just looking on your website uh, before I came and even in your mission statement, it says, to worship and acknowledge God in all we do as disciples of Jesus Christ who love, encourage, and serve each other and our community. That's the key word there that I'm looking at. Uh, so, so as our goal at Crossings is to continue planting neighborhood churches, we are currently organized into three congregations but still function as one church. So uh, kind of how uh, some churches have uh, different service times. That's kind of how we view it. Uh, we're all one church body. We have different services. Instead of different times, we're just in different neighborhoods. Uh, but we do all church functions together. Uh, we, you know, we have combined services uh, every, every few months. Uh, so we really try to make sure that our three uh, neighborhoods uh, in the city uh, come together and always feel uh, the community as one church. Uh, we have existed in Godwin Heights down the bottom uh, for several, several years, uh, or more than 10. Um, but on Easter 2017, when Rachel and I came on staff, uh, we launched Crossman's Godfrey Lee, which was our second congregation. Uh, a lot of people just call it Lee, uh, Godfrey Lee. This is the neighborhood where Rachel and I live and the congregation that we're a part of on Sunday mornings. Uh, then on Easter 2018, just a few months ago, we launched Crossman's West Side, which is just west of of downtown Grand Rapids. So uh, when you're on the west side, it's kind of up on a hill. Uh, you can see like the skyline. It's kind of cool, really beautiful of the city of Grand Rapids. Um, we lead worship on Sunday mornings here. Um, let me just, uh, let me talk about what uh, I do specifically at the church. So what I do uh, is administration uh, for the whole uh, church, all three congregations. Uh, I make sure that the day-to-day -day tasks of the ministry keep moving across our three neighborhoods. I work alongside our three neighborhood pastors, so we have uh, a pastor for each neighborhood. Uh, I work alongside them and make sure uh, that all the day-to-day -day stuff is going well. Uh, that being said, 
Rich and I uh, are call the Godfrey Lee neighborhood our home, and that's where we serve as a family. Uh, we lead worship on Sunday mornings. Uh, we live in the neighborhood. Uh, we send our kids to the local school. This is, uh, this is Joel's class down here. Uh, it's kind of small. I didn't think the screen was that small. But you can, uh, I mean, her class is 85% Hispanic. And it looks like they had a visit from Batman that day at school. Um, uh, Rachel and I are always trying to find ways to, to reach in our community. Um, we're, we, that was a picture from a book, book fair that we did. Rachel's holding the sign there. Um, one of the things, we're always just thinking, how do we get to know people that live in our neighborhood right around us? One of the fun things that Rachel, and I, uh, Rachel just started doing is Zumba. If anyone knows what Zumba is, it, you know, the, the ladies get together and they dance and have fun. Uh, but she's uh, the only non-Hispanic person there. Maybe there's one other person, but that's all in Spanish, so she's having fun doing that. Uh, and that's just awesome. Uh, before I get into today's message, I wanted to share with you uh, a short video. It's about two, three minutes um, about what Crosswinds is doing uh, on the west side and uh, in the future. Wyoming and Grand Rapids and wherever the Lord should lead. 
And so in 2017, we planted Crosswinds God Freely. In 2018, we'll plant Crosswinds Westside. And then hopefully soon after that, the Lord will leave and we'll plant again so that we will be sharing and spreading the good news of Jesus Christ all over Grand Rapids and neighborhoods underrepresented uh, with the gospel. All right, so uh, the, the first guy you saw, that's Pastor Tom. Uh, he's got Crossings West Side uh, up and running, and he's working on getting uh, connected with the neighborhood and getting people uh, to come out there. But, and then uh, as, uh, as Dave, Pastor Dave was saying, we want to keep planting, um, and so we're looking for, uh, for people to come along uh, alongside us that are passionate about planting churches. Um, so that's where we are right now. Uh, what I want to talk to you today about uh, was about how, as Christians, we should live a life on mission. Uh, you probably heard many times uh, that you don't have to be a missionary. Um, that, uh, you probably heard many times that you can be a missionary wherever you are, and that you don't need to move to Africa or the Bahamas to be a missionary. Now that Rachel and I are missionaries stateside, we're learning and discovering more and more uh, how we live our lives on mission every day. Uh, this process is really just living uh, life as a disciple maker. This concept is most clearly stated by Jesus himself and arguably the most famous passage about making disciples uh, Pastor Ryan was just talking about. It's called the Great Commission. Uh, so you can turn there. It's Matthew 28, uh, or it's up on the slide here. Uh, Matthew 28, starting at verse 16. It reads, uh, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee. I remember uh, Judas isn't in the picture anymore. Uh, they went to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Uh, this, this great commission, or this last uh, directive from Jesus Christ, is really the foundation for evangelism and missions. Uh, every, almost every missionary I know always uses this as their, their keystone, their thing that they always, they always use. Right? Uh, it's, but it's not just a command directed to the 11 disciples that Jesus appeared to here on the mountain but a command to all those that follow Jesus. I believe that all Christians have a responsibility to make disciples, and unless you are called by God to actually leave home and live somewhere else for the sake of the gospel, uh, this means you need to make disciples where you are. Uh, it's far too easy to go through life as a Christian with the attitude that people will just see you and be able to tell you that you're different and come up to you and uh, come up to you asking what's different about you. Uh, then all of a sudden there's a green light and your opportunity to share the gospel. That sets the bar uh, for evangelism way too low and is not an accurate representation of the Great Commission. I've had Sunday school teachers in the past tell me, you know, just live your life, uh, just live your life as a Christian and, and people will see that you're different and come up to you and say, what's different about you? I don't, I'm not convinced that that's, that's the reality. Uh, on the very end, other end of the, of the spectrum, I don't think that the passage is saying that every Christ follower needs to move to a different country uh, or culture uh, or perhaps remain where they live, uh, but go out to a busy street corner every weekend with a megaphone and a soapbox uh, yelling at people in hopes that passerby will hear the gospel message. 
Uh, there needs to be some sort of middle ground here, right? It's for this reason that I think the best way to carry out the Great Commission is to make disciples by making friends with people that don't know Jesus. Uh, my key axiom for life on mission, or, or a saying that sums us up well, is time plus intentionality equals discipleship. Nice little formula there. Let me, let me repeat it. Time plus intentionality equals discipleship. The more time you spend with a person, the more likely you are to become like them and they like you. If the goal of Christian discipleship is to develop men and women who are more like Jesus, then intentionally spending time with Jesus and people who are following him is goal number one. This is what it means to be intentional. To have the recognition that your time spent with others is not simply sand through an hourglass the meaningless passage of time, but that every millisecond has value and every millisecond is doing something. The question is this, if every second being used, is every second being used for the glory of God, or is it being used to glorify something else? All of that might sound complicated, but when we get down to the basics of this, my main point is that you, need, you make disciples by making friends with people that don't know Jesus. It's that simple. And being intentional with the time that you spend with them so that they might come to know him as well. My good friend Dave Drake, you saw him in the video at the end there, uh, who's also one of the pastors of Crosswinds, said to me once, uh, about this, uh, about this idea that time plus intentionality equals discipleship. He said, you can get people to understand this concept if you relate it to their family. All right? Nobody ever sat me down and said, listen, Dave, you're a Drake, and this is how you become part of the family. Nobody teaches you how to be a Drake, but if you spend your life around Drakes, you'll be a Drake, and you know how Drakes should act. I'm sure you all here would feel about the same. Did anybody ever sit you down and say, all right, this is how you should be a flunker, or, or a Holdsworth, or a Johnson, all right? Did, did an older relative ever teach you what being a Klein or Carrie was all about, by like giving you the family textbook? I would say no. Uh, you probably learned best about how to be a member of your family by simply spending time in your family. This is the point of me saying time plus intentionality equals discipleship. If you intentionally seek out those that are not in Christ's family, and spend time with them, you'll be putting them on the road to becoming a disciple. I'll give you an example from my own life, uh, but I'll just preface it by saying this. Uh, every year that a person is a Christian, there becomes ex exponentially less of a connection to unbelievers. How do you think that this affects outreach? Unless you are intentional about outreach, the number of people in your social circle that are different from you will continue to go down. So you can see that if you are serious about living a life on mission, and making disciples that you need to be intentional. For many years, uh, for many people, the connection to the non-Christian world is going to be through work or school. However, for someone that works full-time in ministry like myself, I found what I was saying earlier to be very true. I had very few, if any, friends that, that did not already know Jesus. And this painted a bleak picture for me in terms of outreach. How could I obey scripture and make disciples if there were no disciples to be made? Uh, there were a few ways. One was to get to know people that lived around me, all right, my neighbors, uh, getting to know the other parents at my kids' schools, and getting involved in some sort of extracurricular or community-type groups. Uh, for me, this was Aquarium Club. All right, yes, you heard me right. I said Aquarium Club. Uh, I'll explain what that is in just a minute, but you see, I had some sort uh, of aquarium in my house ever since I was a kid, 
and I always enjoyed keeping all the different types of tropical fish. All right? uh, so that's me as a child. Fast forward four or five, uh, to about four or five years ago. All right. Uh, here's where Pastor Ryan becomes the one to blame for me getting into this aquarium, <laughs> this aquarium club. Right? Uh, Pastor Ryan and I, uh, as you know, we both worked at the same ministry in the Bahamas. Uh, we're both very busy all the time, uh, building stuff, working with the kids, uh, killing snakes, getting rid of them uh, from the campus. Uh, that being said, we both managed to carve out a little bit of time uh, on Friday afternoons. Uh, to get away. Uh, somehow, while we were down there uh, on the island of Eleuthera, we managed to get a hold of these two fish tanks. All right. He had one in his house. Uh, I had one in mine. Um, now, there's no pet stores on Eleuthera. Right? This is a, a small, rural Caribbean island. Uh, it's kind of like uh, how, you know, Segola is rural. But, I mean, you can drive a distance to get somewhere where there's a store. Right? On Eleuthera, you know, you're on an island. You can't get off. You're stuck there. Uh, so there's no department stores, no fish stores. So what do we do? We got these empty fish tanks. We go down to the ocean. Wow, we fill up buckets of salt water and haul them all the way back up the hill. Bucket by bucket, we set out to catch uh, our own tropical fish. Uh, we filled it bucket by bucket and we went out with nets to see what we could catch. Uh, and for at least a year, if not longer, that's what we did in the little spare time we could find. It was fun and a great relief from the busy life of missions work. Uh, and I actually, when I was going through some photos and videos, I found uh, video evidence, uh, excuse me, of, uh, of Ryan and I out in the ocean trying to catch uh, these fish. And mind you, we're not, I mean, we're, we're pretty good at catching them online, here, but we wanted to catch them live with a net uh, so we could admire them in the fish tank. Uh, so here is the first uh, video of a failed attempt uh, of us catching. Uh, I'll show you a successful one first. But this is a failed attempt of, of us trying to catch. I think Pastor Ryan is filming this, uh, and I'm, I, I'm with the net here. All right. There it is. Let's get it. <laughs> All right. Pretty good camera work there. All right, and then uh, we finally, I mean, we did this for, for weeks and weeks. Couldn't catch anything, but we got better at it. Uh, this is one of the videos I found of us actually catching uh, one of the fish. But we, event, we decided, I don't remember why, but we let this one go for the day uh, after we caught it. Have a nice life. <laughs> See you later. Uh, all right, so that was down the Bahamas, all right? So now fast forward to about a year ago when Rich and I moved back to the United States uh, and started doing uh, ministry in Grand Rapids. I found myself trying to think of uh, good ways to get to know people and make friends with non-Christians, uh, again, to be intentional about discipleship and getting to know people uh, that didn't know Jesus. As it turns out, there is a club in Grand Rapids 
dedicated to keeping, raising, and breeding tropical fish. All right, it's called the Grand Valley Aquarium Club. Uh, here's a few pictures. Um, the middle one is like a, a typical uh, monthly meeting. Um, it's format-wise, it's not a lot different from a church service. All these, none of these people know Jesus. They're just there to talk about fish. Uh, there's about 50 of them uh, that come out regularly to the uh, club meetings. Uh, top right, that's just uh, one of the speakers that comes every uh, once or twice a year. Uh, this is actually uh, a picture of one of the longtime uh, members' rooms. He's gotten in excess of 50 tanks in his basement of his house, uh, reading, uh, breeding and raising all sorts of fish. Uh, way over on the, on the left side there, that's actually uh, my little uh, corner in our basement of where I got my uh, about 10 tanks uh, set up there. Uh, some of the club members breed fish to sell to, st to stores, uh, others just for the fun of it. Uh, it's a pretty nerdy club to be a part of. Uh, it's such an obscure uh, but oddly uh, specific hobby. Uh, but I've, I, I've enjoyed becoming part of it. Uh, I've been able to make friendships with people that don't know Jesus, and that's the key. Uh, but also to do something that I enjoy on the side. Uh, so let, let me now ask you this. What is it that you could do to be a part of uh, to intentionally get to know people that don't know Jesus and make disciples. Uh, if I can join a fish club, then I think there should be much excuse for someone uh, that says there's nothing they can do uh, to get to know unbelievers. Uh, let's look at one more passage about disciple making. Uh, it is Romans 10. Uh, Romans 10, starting at verse 10. It reads... For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one that they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how, can they, and how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. The good news of Jesus Christ and the redemption he offers is for everyone. Paul highlights the importance of making disciples by pointing out the obvious. You only believe in Jesus because someone shared the gospel with you. Making disciples stems from our own faith, which we only have because someone else shared the gospel with us. Making disciples is about continuing the cycle of redemption, passing on the faith that was passed to you. While every person grows in Christ at a different pace and may begin the journey from a different place, I have identified several steps that I think will, will help you move along, move people along on the journey into Christ in a way that is intentional. I have chosen to visualize this process as a large house with many rooms. Okay? These rooms all represent a certain growth area in the life of a believer. All right. These rooms are connecting, that's meeting and forming relationships with Christ followers. Uh, encountering, it's being introduced to Jesus and his community. Worshiping, involvement in the corporate gathering of the church. Deepening, that's mutual discipleship, support, and missional accountability. And then leading. That's teaching others how to make disciples. So, connecting uh, is what I was explaining earlier. This is getting out there 
and living your life on mission, being intentional about making friends with non-believers. Uh, this is where someone that doesn't know Jesus will meet and form a relationship with a Christ follower. That's you. All right. The next step is encountering. That's introducing your friends to Jesus and his community. Uh, this could be inviting your friends uh, to something that you're doing with other Christians. Uh, not a church service per se, but it could be a different church-related event. Uh, or even just grilling out uh, at your house uh, with other friends from church. Uh, then comes worshiping. Number three, uh, this is where your friend has become comfortable around you and other Christians and could enjoy, uh, and could join you at a worship service like we have here today. At some point around encountering and worshiping is when a person would come to know Jesus and make a decision to follow him. But the discipleship process doesn't end there. The responsibility of a Christian is to make disciples, so the process should continue indefinitely. The next level is deepening. This is mutual discipleship, supporting each other and holding each other accountable. Uh, this is the next stage for Christ followers, uh, being obedient and taking outreach seriously. Teaching new Christians how to be intentional and keep the process going. Holding each other accountable for reaching out to others and spreading the good news, which ties right into the last step, which is leading. This is teaching others how to make disciples. Uh, so I hope uh, with this short uh, time I had today that you've gotten some encouragement uh, and direction on how, to, how exactly to live a life on mission, how to make disciples. Uh, we are all missionaries, missionaries to our neighbors and our friends. Uh, let's be intentional about reaching out to those that don't know Jesus uh, and not just be content with, with showing up on Sundays. Making disciples is our responsibility and is definitely one of the things that God would love to have you do with your life. All right, uh, once you bow your heads, I'll pray for us uh, as we close out here. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you for your church, especially this part of it here in Segola. Uh, Lord, encourage the Christians here to be living a life on mission and to be intentional about making disciples. Thank you for Pastor Ryan, uh, what he means to myself uh, and the church here. Uh, use him to effectively lead your people to be a shining light in this part of Michigan. Uh, thank you for your love and your grace towards us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Aaron. Uh, I like that equation. Did you catch it? Time plus intentionality. That's how you make disciples. And as I gave some thought to that listening to Aaron this morning, I, I'd imagine there's some of us who have intentionality with certain people in our life but maybe not enough time with them. And then maybe there's other people who you spend a lot of time with, but you're not really intentional about sharing the gospel with them. You've got to have both of those that come together. Thank you for that reminder this morning, Anne.